Thank you for joining us for another episode of CryptoCurrent. Just one quick reminder. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrency production is exclusively for informational purposes. back everybody to another edition of cryptocurrency aftershock where we bring you the latest and greatest in the world of web3 and keep you connected to everything that's going on from nft myc to consensus and beyond my name is steven miller i'll be your host my co-host richard carthon is here today richard how you doing what's up everybody uh doing all right i'm happy to be coming back from nft nyc meeting some really cool contacts and be able to go some some really uh fun and uh Cool events that made you wonder what's going on, but basically for three straight hours. I'm sure we'll get to unpack a little bit of that. But, you know, overall, just what's going on in the market, you know, we're, we're in bearish times. We've, we've been reporting some not great things in the month of June. And, uh, you know, as this is the last week of June, as we get ready to head to July, uh, again, I think we haven't seen Max Payne just yet, but I still think the fundamentals and other great things in crypto are pointing very bullish. Just talk to anybody that was at NFT NYC last week. You'll get a very similar type of sentiment. But again, overall, doing doing pretty good. How about you, Steve? You know, man, I really can't complain. We had a great time out at NFT NYC. We had a great time out at Consensus. And Frankly, regardless of what is going on in the news here in crypto and in Web3, the truth is we're here to cover it one way or the other, whether it's bullish, bearish, or in between. We want to make sure that you at home are updated. So if you have not yet subscribed to the show over on YouTube, you can, of course, join us there every single Wednesday. But we also release this as a podcast on your preferred podcast players at home. So make sure you're following the show, liking and leaving a review where you can, or commenting on each episode on YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but we have a great show ahead today, a lot of really big stories to cover and keep uh, keep you caught up on. So let's go ahead and dive right into that with this week's Aftershock. The Aftershock. So in every single week's Aftershock, we bring you two specific segments. We bring you the Web3 lightning round. We break down everything across crypto, whether it's you know lending crises or additional developments and product launches, to then go into last week in the metaverse where we cover everything related to play to earn gaming, NFTs, and of course, the metaverse, who would have thought, but we have a lot to cover today. So let's jump into the lightning round. Our top story today, of course, has to be three arrows capital. We've talked about them in the past, there was a lot of concern about them defaulting on um, some of their loans that they had in the market. And it turns out one of those just came to fruition. So Voyager Digital just issued a statement of default to three arrows capital 
on their $670 million loan. A very big deal in the world of, um, you know, big VCs in crypto. So Richard, do you have any uh, thoughts on this that you'd like to share with our audience? Man, it's big news. Um, So for all those who aren't familiar with defaulting, it basically means they owed $670 million and then they failed to pay it back. Uh, They were a $3 billion fund at one point. The biggest, one of the biggest funds in in all of crypto. Uh, Terra Luna hit them hard. And if this is in any indication that a $300 billion with a B dollar at one point VC fund can't pay back $670 million, this could start, this could be the first domino that knocks over a bunch of others with other lending institutions that has done business with three arrows. And um, I think there could be some other big players in the crosshairs. So not the best news. Yeah, look, I, I've been a little bit more vocal about this than anybody. But like, when you get people at the top, who get really cocky, and it's really, I mean, like, look, you, if we were managing a $3 billion fund, how would we feel, right? It's really right. hard to let that not go to your head a little bit. And Suzu, who's the CEO of Three Arrows Capital and one of a very, you know, significant elite group on Twitter to be very vocal as influencers. Um, he was known for tweeting right at the end of last year, these big, bold statements about like, if you can't stay with it, you should get out. Like if you can't figure out how to manage your risk in this space, you should get out. I think Suzu might be getting out um, because there, there's no way to escape a tidal wave like this one. And it really could have ripple effects across all of crypto and Web3. So we'll be keeping an eye on this story for you as it further develops. And we'll be keeping an eye on Suzu's Twitter to let you know what he says next week. But let's jump into our next concerning-esque story. And that, of course, is none other to do with than Celsius. So Celsius, um, Richard, why don't you tell the folks a little bit at home about what Celsius is and what their value prop was? So Celsius was a lending institution where you, uh, the retail investor, would send your crypto to Celsius. So for example, Polygon Matic. So if you owned Polygon Matic, uh, you could have sent it to Celsius and received at 1.15% APY. Um, or I think of late, it was around 10% APY. So they would pay that out weekly. So uh, they basically know APY, annual percentage yield. They annualize it uh, basically over 52 weeks and they start paying you out um, weekly out on that money. Now, the idea is that you, you know, like your, your traditional bank, if you were to go, you know, you have a checking account or savings account, you know, if you have, and in any of these banks, you get like 0.01% APY. So you barely get anything back. So they're saying, hey, we're this safe place. If you put and park your crypto money here, we're going to give you these high yields back. And don't worry, if you ever want your money back, we will send it back to you. Now, problem that has occurred now is that they froze all withdrawals for the last two weeks. And um, no indication of when they're going to turn the page on that. And it's simply because they had to freeze everything because they weren't if ever everyone tried to pull their money all at once, they wouldn't have had enough crypto assets to pay out everybody and they would have been left holding the bag. So instead of letting that happen, they just froze everything. Now that happened across the last two weeks. The update that we have for you today is that Goldman Sachs has come out of the woodwork. You know, the big one, 
the big bank, the biggest of, you know, TradFi institutions, they come out of the woodwork to raise $2 billion to buy a ton of distressed Celsius assets. Who'd have thought a company that once was so critical of crypto is trying to snap up all of our bags from underneath the company that is, I mean, for lack of a better term, insolvent. Um, well, the, it gets a lot better because CEO of Celsius, um, Alex Mashinsky, was apparently detained um, at a local airport inside the U.S. just yesterday um, for potentially trying to flee the U.S. Um, it wouldn't have worked according to international law. Um, he was actually about to board a flight to Israel, which has a extradition policy with the United States. It says that if you're an Israeli citizen, you cannot be extradited to the U.S. on um, certain you know, specific crimes and claims. But in this case, Alex Mashinsky was not a Israeli citizen. So it wouldn't have worked out in his favor anyway if he had actually pulled that off and that that was the intent. But what we can say is for sure he was stopped at the airport and potentially um, and potentially uh, will be detained for much longer, uh, likely by the FBI who's investigating. So a lot still developing with this case will keep you posted. Our next case, of course, keeps jumping from one <laughs> next, right? So we're going to talk now about BlockFi. Same sort of rap as Celsius had. They were a lending institution that would give you an APY. And... Of course, they too had to lock things down across the last couple of weeks because they couldn't back up the assets of their customers. Well, FTX apparently is now exploring a BlockFi acquisition after extending them a $250 million emergency line of credit. This is really interesting to me for a lot of reasons, Richard, but namely because the clauses that were written into the agreement for this line of credit means that FTX would fully dilute all of BlockFi shareholders, including their second largest, which is Morgan Creek Digital. Now, Morgan Creek Digital did not take lightly to this. In fact, they were pretty pissed, as you might imagine. So they have now worked on it themselves to try and counter FTX's bailout um, based on a leaked call that we um, were privy to earlier on in the weekend. So I'm just curious, are we ever going to see the end of all of this? Uh, yeah, there'll, there'll come an end point. They're either going to somehow make it through this or we're going to see a fire sell and something that got, uh, you know, just looking at Goldman, uh, trying to enter the market right now, trying to buy distressed properties. There's blood in the water. When there's blood in the water, the big sharks come out. And right now you see them coming because they are seeing this. And again, going back to as, as bad of news as this is, this is bullish at the same time and follow me on this. When you have institutional players uh, like Goldman coming in saying, hey, we'll buy your distressed crypto assets. Why are they doing that? Because they're getting to buy these crypto assets at a fire sale discount super cheaply. This is their price entry point they've been praying for. FTX, same way where, where they're not, I mean, they're already involved in crypto, but they are going to be able to buy BlockFi, which at one point, was a you know multi multi billion dollar value company at a discount, at a super discount that they have the assets to be able to keep you know in in even with 
because uh, I think they're also serving 3AC, even if with them defaulting, they have the way to to ride the storm and, and be okay with it. And, and if they survive this, they know that on the other side of it, they're going to be so much better for it. And they're gonna, it's going to be the one the, a, a great deal. And Morgan Creek stood up because they're like, no, 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 you're not going to do this. You're not about to just take this from us. So it's as, as bad as the news is, I also see it as bullish because people see that the long-term play is in crypto and they're trying to buy it at a discount. Yeah, and look, I mean, I, I think that the one person that I feel for in all of this is Anthony Pompliano, who is one of the partners over at Morgan Creek Digital. Um, you can't feel too good as a podcast host and as one of the big talking heads around Bitcoin when uh, your massive investment may be at risk. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. I'll be sure to watch Anthony Pompliano's Twitter to see what develops with this instance. But let's move on to some more fun news, shall we? We've been pretty bleak in the upfront here. And I think it's time we move on to some bigger, better things. Yes. So our next story comes from Coinbase. And this is an interesting one because for the longest time in crypto, we've thought that derivatives were going to be something that was largely targeted by the SEC as something that we can't do. And it, that it was going to ultimately get regulated out of existence. Well, um, I believe we actually reported on it towards the end of last year, but there was an acquisition that Coinbase did to pull in a company called Fairex, which was all about derivatives. Turns out they are in fact rolling forward with it into their own spinoff platform for retail traders called Coinbase Derivatives. And they will be launching their very first derivative project for retail traders called Nano Bitcoin Futures Contracts. Um, I'm excited to see what happens from it, but we truly don't have much more to go on than that. Um, which is why we're going to move right into our next story. So DYDX, another really phenomenal marketplace out in the world of Web3, they even made a massive announcement, which actually backtracks on some news they put out last year, um, saying that they were going to move away from the idea of an L1 blockchain. Instead, they're doubling down on being an L1 blockchain and have announced that they're going to be moving forward with a standalone L1 blockchain built on Cosmos. So right now you can purchase the DYDX token, um, which is an ETH token. And I believe it's also operating on an independent layer two for the moment, but they're going to be moving on to having an L1 blockchain of their own built on the Cosmos layer zero ecosystem. So I find this one really interesting, Rich, and I want to know what you think about it because I personally believe that layer zeros are the future and I'm interested to see how this whole thing takes shape. What do you, what do you have to say about it? And this is why I think layer zeros are really cool. It's because you have the platform to still allow for layer ones to come on your platform, layer twos, and so on. You you can you're interoperable and you are bridging gaps and allowing for more innovation to be provided on top of your ecosystem and to be done in a sustainable and and cost effective way. I I know Cosmos as a uh, coin has been absolutely getting crushed during this bearish time. But more and more amazing projects continue to be built on the Cosmos ecosystem. And that's why I personally am still so bullish on Cosmos, just simply because of so many projects being built on it and so many amazing of, those pro- uh, of these projects I'm referring to that have come on our show um, and, and, and how raving of, of reviews that they have about the Cosmos ecosystem, even some of them who tried to build on other ecosystems and then made the move to Cosmos and are happy they made that choice. I just think Cosmos has a lot of upside. You and I are absolutely on the same page. So um, we'll keep an eye on it and move into our next story for you. So 
Um, Tether is one of the largest stable coins out there. And I know there's been a little bit of up or upset and um, distrust when it comes to Tether over the course of the last couple of weeks. I mean, with all the Algo stablecoin fun that we've had with Terra Luna. Yep. And we've officially gotten word now that Terra, that Terra, wow, Tether, you know, I get into my little diatribe about how fun that entire situation was for us. <laughs> and I, of course, just lose it in my mind. I just go straight into Terra mode. Um, but granted, I mean, we talked about it for weeks upon weeks upon we, weeks. We it's did. Like, I feel like Terra is just on my tongue still. I need to just like, you know, get it off or like use some mouthwash. But anyway, <laughs> Tether, Tether, the stable coin, they're officially moving forward with issuing a British pound peg stable coin they're calling GBPT. I find this really cool because we are just off the heels of a big announcement from Circle across the last two weeks about moving forward with a euro backed and pegged stable coin. Um, Richard, do you think that we're going to start seeing a battle of stables or are we going to see the USDCs and um, the US dollar backed stable coins still remain in prominence? They're going to remain in prominence. I think what's going to be critical about stable coins right now in this moment of where the global economy is, I mean, potential US recession, uh, global recession already happening. If you look at what's happening in, in Europe and some of these Asian countries where you're really starting to see inflation hit all-time highs and the euro is the closest it's ever been to the US dollar um, almost since inception. People are looking for more stability, especially as it relates to crypto. And people are trying to find their price entries. And instead of trying to go all the way out and put into uh, a local currency, they're looking at stables. And Tether, with having this opportunity here, uh, is giving more ground. But there's also just, in general, we've been starting to see, just, just from uh, my own analysis and what I've been seeing in the market, a lot more shorts starting to be taken out against Tether. Uh, so... I personally am, am staying clear of, of Tether, of the stable coins, but I do think there's a place for them. And I think that Tether's still trying to have its place. Well, I'm sure time will tell on this one. I do think that the Euro coin, um, its circle is rolling out, will have a place. Um, I mean, it's, it's really hard for me, honestly, to imagine that any product, and this is going to sound foolhardy, so like just level with me for a second. I really don't think that a product that Circle launches can fail. I think that they have so much financial backing and they have so many resources internally. It's, it's not even like they're leveraging these assets. They are backed one to one. Truly backed one to one, which is why I think Circle's doing it the absolute right way. And when you look at USDT, why everything's a little shaky is they say they're back one to one, but are they? Yeah, because I mean, they, so I, if I'm correct, Tether is supposed to be a hybrid coin. It's supposed to be more than 75% backed one-to-one. And then there are other assets that they have that are supposed to back in value as well as some type of like micro-algo component. I don't trust Tether worth its salt. I don't use it. I only use USDC at this point because of everything that we've learned about Circle over the course of the last two years. Um, But look, man, I, I think that Circle really is the top contender in terms of what a stable coin is going to look like once we see regulation set in. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of opinions on that out there. There's still plenty of people in the cypherpunk community that believe in an algo stable. I just think that this is what we're going to end up seeing as the end of the day option. But let's go ahead and um, continue to forge forward. 
into our final story in the Web3 Lightning Round. And this is an exciting one. So we've been waiting for this for quite some time, haven't we? The idea of ThorChain finally launching its mainnet and its native blockchain. So real quick for everybody at home, Richard, can you give us a little bit of background on ThorChain and what it really does? Yeah, ThorChain tries to basically be um, an omni-chain that is the cross bridge across all of the different types of uh, coins that are out there. So for example, um, if you are trying to make a transaction from uh, Bitcoin to Ethereum, most of the time you have to have like a DEX, um, a decentralized exchange that allows for it to flow in and out. What um, they're doing is being able to provide these uh, tools where you're able to go across chain um, natively, but Rune being attached to it, so it keeps its like its one to one value. So it's it's a like for example, Shapeshift uses their infrastructure to be able to do all of their different um, transactions cross chain. So it's it's a really really cool and innovative way of going about solving the the cross chain. Uh, dilemma and 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 also helping to make sure that you aren't losing money along the way, but they've also made the rune token essential and and how it's being done. So it the the token utility is actually there. So unlike Uniswap, unlike you know some of these other uh, decentralized exchanges where it, the the token's there, but it's kind of an afterthought. You don't really need to use it. Uh, rune is set up in such a way that it, you actually have to use it in order to you know, do these cross-chain type of transactions. Yeah, what's really unique about ThorChain at the end of the day is that it's meant to support multiple assets without a bridge or without having to wrap assets. There are risks to wrapping your assets. And I'm sure that you've heard of wrapped ETH and wrapped Bitcoin because it is a good technology that allows you to use these assets on specific networks like Ethereum. But the down low on bridges still is that they are one of the most significant vulnerabilities that we have right now in Web3. And there were so many breaches across the last year. And even in the last week, there was another massive breach. So bridges, I think, are going to rapidly become a thing of the past. And I strongly encourage people at home to look into platforms like ThorChain that are trying to truly provide a multi-chain solution for um, asset-to-asset trading. Now, within this native blockchain launch for ThorChain, you have seven tokens that are going to be supported right out the gate. You have Bitcoin, you have Ethereum, you have Binance Coin, Dogecoin, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, and of course, their native token, Rune. Now, across the next couple of weeks, they're also saying that support for Cosmos and Avalanche are coming. So, Keep an eye on this one for sure. I think that in the next cycle, just a quick little, um, I guess, call and a bit of alpha, I would be shocked if we don't see ThorChain in the top 25. Thoughts? They've, they've tried to make some pushes. It, it's just a matter of now that Mainnet's here, can they continue to do all of these different transactions without being hacked? So unfortunately, they did suffer from a hack last year, which kind of put some people... Um, out of out of their comfort zone and it kind of puts some mistrust in the rune community. They've been bouncing back. They've been doing the right things. But as long as they can continue to be doing all these transactions in a safe, secure way, yeah, I, I think that's not a bad call at all. 
So the reason why I actually believe what I believe, and this will just be interesting for you and me to just chat about for a sec, is the fact that the reason why I don't think that the breach last year has anything to do with their trajectory going forward is because it was before they were even live on mainnet. Okay, they were still in beta. You know what else actually had a pretty significant hack when it was pre-mainnet? Ethereum, Solana, Avalanche. So we're going to have to go ahead and see what happens with this one. But let's go ahead and carry into last week in the metaverse while we decide to stack our rune. So our first story this week, of course, is just further lending validation to the big bet that I had at the very beginning of the year in our um, year predictions. And that is that acquisition season has arrived. We knew this was coming, or at least I did. And that is that Uniswap acquired Genie and eBay has officially acquired another large exchange platform in the NFT space called Known Origin. Now, these are definitely two of the biggest stories that you could probably imagine coming out right in smack dab in the middle of NFT NYC. Because the Uniswap acquisition of Genie immediately positions them to become not just an exchange of ERC-20 assets, but now also ERC-721s, which are your standard NFTs, and ERC-1155s. And eventually, they will start issuing soulbound tokens. So this is very curious to me. I really like how ambitious the um, buy is on the part of Uniswap. And they're saying that that's going to roll out by the end of 2022 is this merged marketplace. So I'm excited by that one. The eBay acquisition of known, known origin also positions eBay very strongly because known origin was a uh, marketplace that was primarily used for art in the NFT world. So I'm excited by this. What do you think about them? Do you think they're as bullish as um, I guess I le am led to believe? Yes. NFTs are going to be the bridge to mass adoption. And as more and more companies are getting more and more bullish on creating NFTs, people are, companies are starting to make plays. Uh, I think last week we announced the Salesforce is out here trying to make their own NFT marketplace and they service, I mean, the vast majority, I'd say like 60, 70% of all like business to business companies with their CRMs and other things. And so eBay is like, whoa, 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 we need to do something quick. And look at that. A week later, they purchased Known Origin. I think this is going to just be the trend for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And look, you're also right on the heels of OpenSea acquiring gem.xyz still. That's still very yep. fresh in the mind of everybody in the NFT space. So acquisition season is officially in full effect. And I mean, look, it isn't that far from what we were talking about at the top of the show with Web3 um, related news in terms of lending. A lot of those protocols are going to get acquired and they're going to continue to be built into larger TradFi institutions. So this is going to be the, the season of acquisitions, as I had called it. And I'm excited to see what else is on deck with that as we go forward. Our next piece, really interesting here because I was not expecting a Solana exchange to reach unicorn status until after this year. That, of course, has been proven wrong. So Magic Eden is one of the top exchanges on the Solana blockchain, and they are now officially um, achieving unicorn status after finalizing a $130 million raise that gave them a $1.6 billion valuation. Um, how bullish are you on the Solana blockchain and Solana NFTs? Just out of curiosity. Man, just from the sheer willpower and money that's being poured in from the investor standpoint that also is being wrapped into like traditional finance. 
I'm super bullish on Solana. I just, I, it's one of those things where the institutional money won't let it fail anytime soon. Like it, you would need to have an absolute cataclysmic event, like a Luna situation where all of a sudden like the code goes down, the thing goes down and then like somehow someone backdoors them and steals all their money. I, I just, even with the hit that Solana price-wise has taken this year, they're not going anywhere. And I, I'm, I'm super bullish on the long-term fate of Solana. As bullish as you can be, um, I still think there's a lot to prove. And I'm excited for Magic Eden. I know there's a lot of people that are super bullish on Solana NFTs. I just think that there's just a lot that still needs to be proved. So time will be, um, time will be the best indicator here. Um, but I will keep an eye on this for you at home. Make sure to keep you updated. This next one was probably one of my favorite stories out of NFT NYC. Um, I don't know how it is, Rich, but Doodles just keeps on showing out. Finding a way. Like they, they were an absolute story out of South by Southwest this year. I believe they still had some big stuff going on at Consensus, if I'm not mistaken. But at NFT NYC, man, they became one of just a few projects to announce that they are officially moving forward with a fundraise led by none other and the man who does all the fundraising for the NFT projects these days, Alexis Ohanian. And not only did they announce that fundraise, they are also announcing that Pharrell Williams is going to be their chief brand officer going forward. Um, it could not get more bullish for this project. And I'm, I just, I'm blown away. I find myself at a loss for words every time I think about how much I missed out on minting doodles. Yeah. Um, but I mean, man, they're they're just gonna keep on flying. The artwork is so friendly, um, not only to animation, but to people of all you know races, creeds, genders, identities. It's a tremendous project with a lot of legs underneath it, uh, and I can't wait to see where it goes from here. I know the duplicators are already flying on OpenSea, so we'll keep an eye on it for sure. Uh, there's two things I want to add real quick. Pearl Williams is just an absolute OG in the. Uh, rap and R&B business and this is going to open doors for more artists like to to want to enter this space but then you have Alex Ohanian you know founder of um, Reddit and you know husband to um, Serena Williams so now you have potentially sports people starting to come into this space now you have tech bros starting to get into doodles like the the sheer amount of exposure Doodles already has insane. The amount of exposure they're going to continue to have by more powerhouses coming on to their ecosystem, man, this is this is super bullish news. Yeah, we're going to keep an eye on it for you here at Cryptocurrent as always and keep you updated. The next piece comes from MoonPay. MoonPay, of course, is, I mean, to me, like the concierge service at this stage of the game for the rest of the celebrity world as it relates to how they get into NFTs but they're starting to now provide more tools for creators, um, which I personally am pretty bullish on. They decided to announce during NFT NYC that they will be officially launching their utility NFT minting service dubbed Hypermint. Now, this means that a lot of projects out there that have like cards, for example, the Proof Pass, um, you can use those NFTs for access to certain online you know, pieces of software or access to communities. And this is exactly what MoonPay is trying to, um, I guess, provide for the space as a more unique individual and easy to use 
minting service for these passes going forward. Um, it seems like a strong B2B play, if I'm being fully honest about like the way that I view it. So I'll be curious to see how this one goes. But do you, do you see it similarly to me or is this something um, a little bit more consumer focused? No, I see it like you see it, man. Um, I think they're trying to go about it the, the, the right way. So yeah, I echo what you say. All right. Well, that's an exciting development for sure. I think at some point we should probably be talking about, you know, if we need to be doing an access pass um, or a utility NFT for cryptocurrent. But um, yeah. you'll be the first to hear it here on the Cryptocurrent Podcast if we'd make that decision. So one of our final stories in last week in the metaverse comes from a company that, um, you know what, I'm still salty. They, uh, they, they kept us out of, the, of their event at um, NFT NYC. Apparently, we weren't press enough for them. Um, but we're going to report on them anyway. So Ledger has announced... <laughs> I can't believe I'm being this, this ridiculous <laughs> on the show, but I felt like I had to. Um, don't don't worry. I'll, I'll go ahead and throw some more shade in a little bit, but let me get through the story first. So Ledger has announced that they are launching what they're considering an NFT marketplace and services platform for enterprises. Um, this also comes in the same exact Ledger Open event where they discontinued the Nano S officially. Now, that's not to say that your Nano S at home will no longer work. It's just that they've officially upgraded to the next generation with the, with their Ledger Nano S+. Plus. Um, I think all of it's really exciting. I think this is going to be a marketplace where you're going to have a lot more curated drops and verified drops. So people are not going to get um, rugged or... Um, at risk as much with what is put out. Um, and it seems like to me, the art that they've got partnered with for the very first set of drops for the ledger market looks really, really good. Um, Jen Stark is going to be one of the artists that is first featured there. Um, and they also have a partnership with Tag Hauer on the line. So a lot is coming from them. I'm really excited for ledger. Um, but I have to tell you right now, Trezor, if you're out there and you want to sponsor cryptocurrency, <laughs> Um, we have a spot for you, our friends. Uh, we would love to be able to showcase Trezor on our show. Come on uh, through. Yeah, we, we're here for you um, in, in your time of need. <laughs> oh, man, I have too much fun sometimes. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, Richard, why don't you take us through this last story? Because I think I've talked about this enough in recent weeks. So ENS launches subdomain management tool. And what's cool about this is now that you finally own your ENS, like, I don't know, something like Three Commas Club or something like that, you can now have people who can rent it out um, as under subdomains and uh, have that whole enterprise going as well. So I think that's really cool. It's going to open up a lot of doors for people who snagged up some really cool ENS domains um, and help create some residual income. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, I think that... When it comes to ENS domains, one of the biggest pieces of utility behind them is actually not the idea of using it instead of your ETH address. It's the fact that you can get Carthon.eth from somebody who owns it. <laughs> and you can go out and license the, the um, subdomain, which is the first part of it, um, to the person that wants to use that last name .eth. Um, so for example, um, I could, if I owned Carthon.eth, I could license Richard.Carthon.eth to, to you and you could use that as your ENS domain. 
What a great scenario. We have to look into that a little bit later. Yeah, I think I'm just going to give you Carthon.eth instead. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, what a great gift. Yeah, man. That's, that's how we do things in, in Web3. But there's actually more stuff that we do in Web3. We fool around. <laughs> um, so there is a great NFT minting platform out there called Fair.xyz. And I had not heard of them before this news. So the marketing worked. Um, they hired a Snoop Dogg impersonator who goes under the name Dupesnog to fool a whole bunch of NFT NYC attendees and convince them that Snoop Dogg was in attendance. Um, you're the one that loves this story. So I'm gonna I love this so try. much, dude. Because they put out a video of all these people just freaking out. Like, oh my gosh, Snoop Dogg, take a picture with me, blah, blah, blah. So like, not only did these people get bamboozled, they got close to, to Dupesnog was able to either take a selfie, listen to this man talk, and still was convinced that it was Snoop Dogg. Like, I need people to do way better. If you're a so-called fan, whatever, it just also just goes to show, like, if you believe someone's a celebrity, like, people will do anything to clout chase. Like, I, I just think that's hilarious. And what's even funnier is that freaking Snoop Dogg, like, retweeted, like, the video <laughs> and just put <laughs> Dog Snoop, Dupe Snog. It wasn't mad, wasn't anything, just <laughs> tweeted it. So, I mean, it just goes to show like, like Snoop Dogg like doesn't care that like this, this happened, but it's just also shows that the, the, the real ones, the real fans weren't able to like immediately be like, hey, you're, you're not Snoop Dogg. Look, man, sometimes you just got to chase the clout, but they're going to do their thing. Um, you know, he, they got him in the Ferrex hat, so... The marketing worked out and I think a lot of people are going to have fun with this one for a while. But if there's any one thing I want to mention about NFT NYC to folks at home is if you weren't there, you probably were seeing a lot of very negative stories across the internet. There was a lot of FUD pieces that were put out about NFT NYC this past weekend and none of it was true. Like I was, I was absolutely shocked at what I was reading when I, when I got back uh, from NFT NYC about just different FUD pieces and how ApeFest was a flop and all this other stuff. And like, it could not be further from the truth. Um, NFTs are going to absolutely have a massive place in our future. And I'm absolutely looking forward to seeing how that whole thing takes shape. But I want to go ahead and end this show by bringing back a really interesting segment and having a little conversation. So this is Buy, Sell, or HODL. So buy, sell, or huddle is a little game that we used to play on this show. And we're bringing it back for the end of this one because I want to educate for a second on crypto events. Um, it's no secret we were out of consensus in Austin and we were just at NFT NYC. But there's a lot of talk around, you know, what's worth it, what's not. And I want to get your perspective for a second here and talk about this. So within buy, sell, or huddle, you have to assign a buy to one item that we've got on the screen. You could assign a sell to one item on the screen and you can assign a huddle to one on the screen, but you can't use them twice. So in this crypto events edition, Rich, I've got three options for you. Attending the main event and satellite events, attending only the satellite events, and not attending crypto events until the bull market. Tell me what you were buying, selling, and hodling. So I'm definitely going to immediately buy attending uh, only the satellite events for, for two purposes. One, it can be more cost-effective, especially if you are buying a ticket extremely late. 
Um, and, you know, who knows? You might have some connections who end up getting an extra ticket and then you can go and attend the main event anyway. But ultimately, you need to be in the same space, same area to be around all of these different opportunities because a lot of the real networking and people who you're going to meet and try to like follow up with and collaborate with are, are typically met during the, the social hours, the happy hours, the time in betweens, the, the, those moments. Um, now, the reason why I'm going to huddle attending the main event, satellite events, is because if you have the ability to attend the main event, do that because it's still very valuable. There's still a ton of, there's a reason a ton of people went to Consensus NFT NYC or at the main event because people want to be around thought leaders. They want to be hearing from uh, the people who are leading the space and, and be able to network and meet uh, uh, amazing people. So again, if it's within the budget, if it's in the time frame, and if you are able to, to do it, definitely go and attend uh, the main event. But I am selling not attending the crypto events until the bull market because right now is when the real secret sauce is being made. The people who are attending these events and are still bullish and are still promoting their companies or aren't going anywhere and are, and are bullish on the long-term future of this space are going, are going to be the ones that win and win big. So to simply just not show up at all and try to be around when uh, the bull market happens and just be around like the, the seasonal crypto people, ah, I don't have time for it. So I'm going to go and sell that one. How do you see it? Well, I'm actually going to save our listeners a whole lot of time on this one because I'm seeing it the exact same way that you are and for the exact same reasons. And we did not re at all rehearse this. This was all on the fly just for you at home because we wanted to be able to educate around this idea for a few minutes. Um, yeah, I, I see it the same exact way. The idea of buying or hodling on not attending crypto events until the bull market seems like the most foolish decision that anyone could possibly make. Um, there's just too many great networking moments where, that you have at these events. There's so much you can do um, that it'll even connect you with the right builders. So that's how I view it. But that is going to wrap up our show today. But before we go, I want to make sure that we take at least one or two seconds to talk about what's coming up. So we have a lot of great content here on Cryptocurrents podcast and on the YouTube channel. And of course, earlier on this week, we had Linda Liu from Oasis Protocol. Richard, what was that episode all about? So it's about Oasis Protocol, their layer one solution, and they take um, security very seriously. And um, they're doing a lot of really cool things. And uh, uh, Linda's a lot of fun. Uh, she was really, a really great personality to speak with. But I know you also had a really cool interview that you have coming up this Friday. Man, I am really excited to be able to share that we are sitting down with the COO and co-founder of a company called Metagood, which you may know better as OnChain Monkey. So OnChain Monkey is their community product that they rolled out a little while ago as a Freemint. Um, and they just today successfully had their um, mint of their new Karma collection. So we got a chance to sit down and talk a little bit about what OnChain Monkey is all about, what Metagood is all about, but also what they have in store for the new holders of their Karma Collection NFTs. And man, if you see these previews for these NFTs, they look wild. They're so sharp. And I am really excited to see the reveal coming up here in the next couple of days. But that's going to do it for us this week. And uh, we hope that you at home enjoyed this episode. Please do us a favor, make sure that you like and subscribe and comment over on YouTube. Let us know what you thought of the video and this episode's content. Please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platforms or wherever you are listening from. We would greatly appreciate it. And of course, 
please do us a solid and check out our editorial content over on crypto-current.co. We've got a lot of great stuff over there for you. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for us this week. I've been Steve Miller. He's been Richard Carthon. And we will see you next week for another edition of Cryptocurrents Aftershock. Stay Cryptocurrent. We'll see you next time.